I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. to the Keep Sounding podcast. It's been a while. This is Brian, joined by Brad and John, as always. Brad, how are you doing? I'm good, Brian. How are you? Wonderful. John, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, Brian. How are you? Great. Just so wonderful. wonderful. Yeah. Yep. Good. Good. Um, so uh, we are gathered here today because two of the biggest Panthers icons in their franchise's history have chosen to retire as a Panther after both of them subsequently left to go to other teams after a very, very long tenure with the team, um, Thomas Davis and Greg Olson. So on today's episode, we're going to discuss the history of Thomas Davis, some of our own personal experiences, favorite memories, et cetera, et cetera. But man, what a hell of a career, guys. Like tore his ACL three times and he retired nine seasons later. That's just incredible. Yeah. I think nine the, seasons. Yeah, it's yeah, nine uh, seasons. It's it's technically nine years too. But I, I when I wrote the piece yeah. for Cat Scratch Reader about it, I intentionally used the word seasons because I didn't want somebody to be like, "Well, it's been ten years," because it was 2011 when it happened, and I <laughs> I just put nine seasons because it's been nine seasons. But um, no matter what word you want to use for it, it is inhumanely unimaginable that someone could do that like it's it's crazy to think that a decade ago we were talking about whether or not thomas davis could ever play again because he tore his acl for the third time yeah i mean there are a lot of players who tear their acl once and they're never the same again yeah i mean and he didn't like he didn't just play like and end up being a special team guy for a couple years he was a freaking pro bowler all pro leads the team and tackles that kind of guy for a decade after the third one it's it's insane when like it's it's i i it's hard to put it into words that the the guts that it takes to be able to come back from something like that and have a borderline hall of fame career i don't know i'm sure a lot of people have but like I've never had anything as serious as my ACL, but like the amount of like frustration and dedication it takes to like get back to like when you sustain any sort of injury, um, like the surgery only fixes like the fact that a ligament is missing or whatever, but the fact that you have to like actually the the hard part is rehabbing, which is requires you know getting your strength back and all that stuff. 
and it's not fun. Like it kind of hurts, but more importantly, like it's really frustrating because things that you're, not, you're like expecting to be able to do are hard. And, uh, you know, and the, I think the first time you do it isn't the isn't awful because it's it's a challenge, right? Like you're like, oh, <laughs> I need to regain this, need to get back to where I was before, and it's like you can see it as like, especially for someone who's a professional athlete that uh is kind of wired to be competitive like that. There's some like challenge to it, but when you get to the very end of that and you are ready to go and you come to camp and it was like the second day of of camp and you tear it again, it takes a lot of mental. And then again, the third time later, a fortitude to just like start over from square one when you have absolutely nothing to show for how much work you put in the previous time and the previous two times, really. Yeah. And I mean, he was 28. Um, he was 26 the first time he did it, 27 the second time and 28 the third time. So that's the the so-called beginning of his prime. And he is marred by injury. And like I mentioned a minute ago and, and alluding to what you just said, I'm not rehabbing my knee three times. Like I'm, I'm built different than Thomas Davis. Like <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Um, after the, the, the 2011 three games into the year, when he did it again, that's it for me. I'm like, okay, clearly whatever God is out there is telling me, Hey, you're not supposed to play football because we keep trying to tell you, and you're not listening. And I would just eventually just be like, you know what? Fine. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. So, you know, yeah. major props to him for continuing to do it. Yeah. It's, it, and it had to be super demoralizing for him. Cause I remember the, I remember the year that he tore it the first time and he was playing extremely well at that time. Like he was definitely getting into the version of Thomas Davis that we have come to know and love. Um, and then like he had that setback and then he just had two more horrible setbacks. And it was like most players who have that many injuries in a row and are missed that many years in a row, they don't come back. And it's not, and it's not, it may not even be their fault. Like K1 short, for example, he's been out for the last two seasons with shoulder injuries, which aren't even necessarily as theoretically career impacting as tearing your ACL three times. And he didn't last for, for a third season. Like, it's major props to him to continue working hard and showing the the team that he's willing to come back and play at a high level. And obviously it's also, it's also part, partly um, something you can attribute to Ron Rivera and the Panthers for not giving up on him. Granted, they, the third time around, they brought him back and it was a relatively, you know, it was a less risky deal for them. They could have theoretically cut bait with him and not had any problems um, but he had just signed a major, a major contract when he had his first injury. So it's like, he could have just cut bait and left, took, took the guaranteed money, retired, lived a long and happy life, you know? And instead he fought his way back and he managed to make it to the Super Bowl. It's a shame we didn't get him that ring, but. Oh God. Yes. If there's an NFL player, there's a, there's a, a handful of guys in the league that just, they deserve a Super Bowl ring. And Thomas Davis is on that list. Uh, you know, there's there's a couple of Panthers that are on that list, but I mean, Thomas Davis is up there with guys like Larry Fitzgerald that just, they just, they fucking deserve a Super Bowl ring. And it's a, a shame and a crime that we couldn't give him one. Right. I mean, he broke his damn arm in the NFC championship game 
And then two weeks later, he's got his arm is sewed up and it looks literally like a football, the way they yeah. sewed it back together. <laughs> and he's got a damn like a metal rod and plate in there holding shit together. And he went out there and played in the Super Bowl. Yep. That's dedication. I remember you guys were talking about like, and that's kind of the same thing we're talking about with like the toughness and the pain tolerance and like the mental strength to, uh, to be able to kind of like overcome all that stuff. And like that desire to win, I think. And I think not that like the Panthers would be in any different position if it's here, but I do think like very contagious and very, especially when it's, it comes from a player like Thomas Davis, who isn't like, corny about it or cheesy about it with the whole like i just want to win so bad he just kind of like does it you can tell yeah. that he really cares and yeah it, it, i mean he he had seven tackles five solo and a tackle for loss with a broken arm in the super bowl at i want to say he was 33 years old something like, sounds that. like it could be sounds like it could be right that would make uh, him let's see uh, he was 32. that would make him he was 32 yeah. in 2015. Well, depending on when his birthday is. He was 31. Is, it's in March. So he was that, 31. Okay, so he was 31. He well, no, no, no. He was 32. No, he was 32. He, was 2016, he, he, was turned, yeah, he, had, he was right before he turned 33. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm older than that, but I'm within a decade of that, and I cannot see myself seven years ago doing that. I, I just – I couldn't do it. Even if I was a, an athlete, like – I could not see myself doing it. The I other just, thing that was, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I would say the other thing that was really impressive about it was not necessarily just like looking at his stats. Cause I mean, as far as linebackers go, I mean, he was a good linebacker in the league. If you just look at his stats, but we watched him on the field going step for step with Luke Keekley, one of the greatest linebackers of this generation. Like he was going step for step with him. They were competing. Like they created like one of the greatest linebacker tandems maybe ever as far as like just a two linebacker group. Like he was going step for step with Luke Keekley, who was born to play this fucking football game in every sense of the word. And he was going step for step with him. Like Keekley had his high football IQ stuff, the things that only he could do. But man, Davis had plenty of the same tackles for a loss that he did. Like I remember, th- I remember watching that Ravens game after Luke Keekley like knocked the crap out of the Ravens linebacker or running back and uh Thomas Davis picked it up and scored and I was like this is going to be a really special duo mm-hmm. and sure enough they were it was insane like just exciting to watch two two players that were that fucking good playing together on the defensive front just running around like crazy and not making tackles making plays like they the two of them probably single-handedly beat the Saints in 2013 yeah one of my favorite um, random Thomas Davis facts, and Eric pointed this out to us in our Slack chat, and I believe he pointed it out in in the article for CSR. I'm not 100% sure because I read that earlier today and have forgotten it. But um, Thomas Davis never had a pick six in his entire career. Nope. Not like one. You would think being a linebacker and playing as long as he did, he would have lucked into one but he didn't. He only had one touchdown. It was a scoop and score fumble recovery. He didn't have as many turnovers in general as I think you would think. Like he only had 13 interceptions for his career yeah. and 11 fumble recoveries. 
Well, part of it is just the nature of the position he played. Um, middle middle linebackers tend to be the ones that get those reads and stuff and get those picks because they're playing in the middle of the field, which is typically right where the quarterback's aiming if they're play, throwing anywhere around a running back, where Davis was typically covering a tight end, maybe a slot receiver on the outside, and even sometimes on the weak side of the formation when he played weak outside linebackers, so he wasn't even necessarily in the throwing window to make those plays. So, Yeah, but you would think an, that like in 12 years, he would have gotten a Oh yeah, a no, bubble definitely. screen. Like he would have picked off a bubble screen on like the fifteen yard line and ran it back or something. Um, oh yeah, it, definitely. It's just funny that that he never did. Like I, not taking anything away from him, obviously, but it's it's bizarre. He always had the. I think his signature was those crazy interceptions, like more so than the the interception where he he cuts on it, gets the ball, and can run with it. He always had those like. Like the one that I always remember is when he lined up as a as a defensive end in 2013 against the Saints, and he fucking jumped to like the sky to go intercept that pass from Drew Brees. Like there aren't many linebackers in the in the game who could have made that play. He <laughs> picked he off Jameis Winston like that one time too. I remember specifically that he jumped up and 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 I think that was in 2015 if I remember right. Uh, but he made a play that you just don't see linebackers make. So yeah, he does. He has several of those. It's yeah. funny that you brought up the, the Saints interception because that was the first one I thought of. I was like, I remember when he jumped up really high to intercept Drew Brees to seal um, seal a win. Back, I didn't remember the year, but yeah, back when it felt like it was impossible to beat the Saints because we just never did that. That could be yeah. almost any year. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> yes, there, well, there was a time in the middle where it was like, hey, sometimes we beat the Saints and it's always by yeah. three points with a total of 76 for the game. Yeah, but like yeah, it was always either 38 to 35 or 41 to 38. Yeah, those were the but, days. <laughs> yeah, but before that and then after that, it was just like, oh, no, we here we go. We play the Saints. They're going to average exactly five yards a play. No more, no less on any play. And they will score 40 points and will just slowly lose by a thousand cuts. And then Thomas, I remember that pick because it was like, oh, wow, we actually won for once. Yep, that was one of my favorite plays by him. I think that um, he also did that again in tw- against the Falcons a couple times, too. Like, game-clinching interception. Like, that was just his thing was the game-clincher. He even had that yeah. sick one against the Packers where he had to, like, dive backwards and catch it in the playoffs. No, it wasn't the playoffs. It was 2015 during the regular season when they were on that real kick of winning. That was, yeah, when nice they, was, was, was that the play that made Aaron Rodgers throw the Microsoft Surface? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when he had, well, d- 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 yeah, when he had a wide open wide receiver as we were choking the game away, and he threw it at Thomas Davis. He threw it instead. straight to Thomas Davis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was that play. That happens sometimes, you know. Yeah. Happens to the yeah. best of them. Yeah. Um. People forget that a lot of like it's of sports at that high of a level. It just you just have to mess up net less than your opponent because everybody's so yeah, good. Every, everybody's good. I mean, everybody, everybody <laughs> on the field is a professional athlete, even the worst players in the NFL. Like they're the college superstars. Yep. Yeah. It was, um, by the way, this is, well, I don't want to get out. Oh, this is a little bit of a tangent, but kind of back to the injury thing. Um, Thomas Davis tearing his ACL against the Packers. I was at that game. And I think it was, cause it was the same game where, uh, I think it was the last game of Nick Collins. Is that his, um, his career, mm-hmm. the safety because he like injured his neck. Yeah, and... didn't he land on Jonathan Stewart's legs or something? 
he like dove for Stewart and basically like headbutted him in, like in headbutted the him in the thigh or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, rem- I remember that. Yeah, Jonathan Stewart is not someone who you want to you want to fuck around with his lower area because he's just built like a fucking truck. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was um, yeah, is sustaining a neck injury while attempting to tackle down the Stewart. And I remember like seeing it and being like almost. And this is not about Thomas Davis, but I remember seeing that being like, ha, he's just. He's just pretending to be hurt because he got embarrassed for getting stiff armed. And it's like, oh no, he's never gonna play football again. It's like ah Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um in that game, because that was the game Thomas Davis tore his ACL. And I think that was kind of where my like in my development as a sports fan was that a player walking off the field does not mean they are not hurt. Mm-hmm. Because Thomas Davis, like he tore his ACL and he was just like, ah, well. That sucks, and he just like walked off the field very like no limp, and he like you could tell he was frustrated, but there was no like other than the emotions on his face, you could not tell he was injured. He just like walked off with the normal gait and like right back to the locker room. It's like, guy he's probably fine. He's like, no, he's torn his ACL again. Is he'll yeah. be out for an, a calendar year? It's like, oh dang. Yeah, that one was really shitty. That was his third one too, right? Yeah, that was Second. the last one. Oh, yeah, that, that was, was last right. One. That was the last one. Yeah, the yeah, second one I, was in camp. Second one was the second day of training camp. Yeah, yeah, the second one I remember very vividly because I didn't actually get to see it. Um, that was when I used to work at Old Navy, and I would be work. I usually had to work on Sundays and stuff like that. And the day, like during the time where I where like nowadays I can actually like pay attention to football, and uh, I was like really excited because I think that was the year where they had John Beeson. And James Anderson still, I want to say, but I was like pretty excited about the having three of them together. And I remember my phone went off and I, and this is when I learned that whenever an ESPN alert hits you and it's in the off season, it's because someone got cut or someone got injured. And <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and I read it and was like, Oh fuck. Cause I loved Thomas Davis. I, I specifically like really had liked him because I played with the Panthers and Madden and he always had the, uh, the made the big hit. Um, the big hit, the hit stick, thing. like yeah, uh, what's Truck it called? Stick, wasn't it? Trait. Yeah, it was the big thing. hit trait where where you could hit stick someone, he would blow them the fuck up, and I was like, oh man, I wanted to watch him play again. Yeah, <laughs> I, that was I legitimately thought when he when he tore it the second time in training camp, I thought he was done because it yeah. was like right after he had missed over half the season before, and he had just come back, and it was literally like the second day of camp. And he did it again. And I'm I'm sitting there and I'm like, there is no way he will ever play again. Like he he just won't be able to come back. And I'll be damned if he didn't. Yeah, he proved us all wrong. I mean, he was damn good from 2012 to 2018 when we let him go. I mean, he was legitimately consistent top half of the league statistically and a team leader, you know, on and off the field, all of that stuff, you know, for six years. And uh, he missed most of three seasons. But right after that third ACL, when he came back in 2012, he missed a combined total of six games until he left Carolina. And four of those were in one season when he, I think he hurt his hamstring, if I remember right. Does that count um, when he got suspended? 
or yeah, actually, I, I think that might have been what that was, actually, now that you bring that up. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, he started the um, I think that was the, the four games for the first four games. Yeah. yeah. So he missed two games to injury in six years. And the stupid part was the suspension was one of those where they had just updated the uh, the banned substances list, and he didn't even know that the, that they had done that. So yeah, he was taking they popped uh, him for something um, he had been taking for a long time. Yeah, it was a, a supplement he had been taking for years that was legal until it wasn't anymore. Which to me is bullshit, but that's a whole different story. Yeah. Also, I have more news for you, Brad. Um, oh, I guess he did miss two games. Yeah, so he got well, he missed five games with the suspension because he also got suspended for uh, that helmet helmet hit against Devontae Adams. Oh, okay. So, but he's still, yeah, but you're right. So he had two games missed, uh, that total. He, in those two seasons, he missed five games, but they were all suspension related. So he missed two games. He missed one in 2012 and one in 2014, um, since coming back from all the, uh, knee injuries. Jesus Christ. That's insane. Yeah. Consistency. Well, we were talking about this. Oh, go ahead. Just but like well, like you the other name you brought up John Beeson, especially like when you juxtapose that with John Beeson, who's of a similar age. Um, I think he was even a little younger. Yeah, he was. He was. And, yep. Yeah, and we saw like he, you know, he was sixty four straight years where he didn't miss a game, and then he tore his Achilles, and then he just like basically never played football officially, um, effectively again. And I know torn Achilles is different. Yeah, but I mean like, to be fair, an Achilles mm-hmm. is a little bit different, but I mean it's still. I think but three the same, ACL tears is equal to one Achilles tear. Yeah, but like the just the the idea of like not being able to stay healthy. Like it wasn't like he just kept like, like oh he's out with a hamstring strain and now he's out with a groin strain and now he's got this other nagging injury just because. Yeah, um, I know Beeson suffered a lot of those nagging injuries because he was trying to overcompensate mm-hmm. to not put too much on the Achilles. Yeah, you get to this point where like you know, especially like the amount of physical like stress that you have to go under to like be a professional level athlete. And then when you get hurt and you basically go down, you go from like training, like a professional football player to not doing anything. Like it's really hard, especially again with a competitive drive of these players to like get back to a level of like training at to like training effectively enough to be an NFL caliber athlete and not like overdoing it too quickly because, and then getting to the point where you're just like, hurting yourself over and over again because you're not you're doing stuff you know you're trying to get back into things too quickly yeah it's <clears throat> i forget who we were talking to in the slack chat i don't remember who brought it up but uh he's just a different generation of uh of toughness that we're not gonna see in the nfl anymore because that was eric yeah because he comes from an era where if you don't play you're letting your team down so it's like he definitely played through being hurt but he still did it for how many years even after that. And granted, you know, it's, it also just has to do with the general wear and tear on your body. It doesn't seem like Davis had a whole lot of issues that nagged him aside from the ACL, which he eventually got over. But nowadays, like players don't come in the NFL with that kind of toughness mindset, because usually if something happens where they might have a long-term injury happen, they don't play through it. And it's not their fault. It's that the, the, the culture of football has changed. Like nowadays the coaches want you to sit out if you're hurt, like they will make you sit out. Um, sometimes in the instances with people like Ron Rivera, they let him sit out for 
while saying they, they'll end up playing only for them to end up, you know, on IR at some point. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like he's one of those guys we probably won't see ever again because these players' bodies aren't built to withstand that kind of punishment anymore. At least not in the same sense that he was. Yeah. It's just mind-blowing. Yeah. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, let's see. Any, we uh, have, oh, go ahead. We, we might be going in the same direction. What were you going to ask? Favorite memories? Okay. That's not where I was going to go, but that's actually we're, a better, that yours is better. Um, mine, okay. mine works better as, as a follow-up. Um, okay. my favorite, absolute favorite Thomas Davis memory. There are two. I've already talked about the first one is the Super Bowl where he played with a football on his arm. Um, they, mad respect for that. I I will respect anyone who's willing to do that. Um, but number two, my favorite Thomas Davis memory is when he made Jimmy Graham his personal tackling dummy. <laughs> I mean, it would be there would be plays where they weren't even really involved in the play, and he would light Jimmy Graham's ass on fire, and. I've never seen someone dislike another player as much as Thomas Davis disliked Jimmy Graham. And I loved every single second of it. Yeah. It's funny. I don't even remember Thomas Davis or Jimmy Graham ever really coming out and publicly like talking yeah, shit on one like another. There's no beef. Like there's no, he dissed me or whatever. They just, he just did not like Jimmy Graham. I don't know if it's cause it, it was a saints Panthers thing or what, but yeah. Well, like, he yeah. hated Jimmy Graham. He really did. And I think part of it was just ha- having to do with setting the tone. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you, a player like Jimmy Graham, like Jimmy Graham was never known to be a blocker um, or at least not a high end blocker or a very physical player. So I think Thomas Davis was just getting his head in a little bit when he's like, oh, I'm going to decleat you on this play when you're trying to block me, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> like <laughs> that was, those were always fucking amazing. I love those. <laughs> the gif of him, like, I don't know if it was an interception or whatever, but it was, I think, I think it, it was an been, interception. Yeah. He was technically blocking him. Yeah. He fucking put him on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> uh, so good. So good. John, what about you? Well, I do want to just, just chime in and agree that Thomas Davis just openly disliking Jimmy Graham without actually saying it, but just like the kind of to your point of the, when he's the way he plays, it's just like, man, this, you can just tell without knowing any sort of subtext. Cause we, there was nothing like behind like for anybody to imply that they didn't like each other and just watching how he like when I was just like man he just clearly has a problem with him for some reason Um, (laughs) he he wouldn't do that to anybody else that's what made it so funny it's it was just like for whatever reason you know he was the bull and Jimmy Graham was the red cape like that was just (laughs) I I don't know but I loved it but the other one would be uh popping his finger back in in the middle of a play and then making it oh god oh i remember the nfl top 100 thing where they talked about that and i 
that made me uneasy just watching it <laughs> on TV. And he out out there is doing that shit. And I'm didn't oh. he like didn't he like light up the running back too after he did that? Oh yeah, he it blew was, his ass up. Yeah, it was like a perfect like form tackle. Like he's like, let me get my fingers in order here, and then I will use all of them to to like wrap them up and drive them into the ground. Wasn't it Marshawn that he tackled too? I don't remember. It, I honestly can't the remember. I honestly can't remember like the the game. Because I don't know that it had happened until afterwards, because it's not something you can really see in real time. Um, but yeah, so I don't, and I don't remember for whatever reason. Like I can picture it. Like I know exactly. Like the I can remember the like behind the end zone camera angle and everything. But I can't. It was Marshawn Lynch. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just gonna tackle like the hardest running back to tackle. Yeah, I mean it's already hard enough to tackle Marshawn Lynch. He did it. Yeah. <laughs> he did it while multitasking. <laughs> he did, he yes. multitasked. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's great, uh, man. Like, if I uh, dislocate my finger, I'm on injured reserve. Like, yeah, I, I'm I'm out. And I, <laughs> yeah, I I dislocated fingers twice playing football, and in both instances, I was like, "Holy fuck, my hand hurts a lot. What's going on here?" And then I'd look at my glove and be like, "Oh, look at my finger." And then I got off the field and didn't do anything about it. Where like he's just like, "Oh," and then he just fucking pops it back in, which is not which is not a pleasant feeling by the way when someone does that so yeah and it's yeah. one thing to do that like going back to the huddle yeah you know hey um uh whatever hey k1 or hey luke will you put my finger back in that, that's one thing but he during the goddamn play like he does it yeah and then and then makes the tackle that's it's just it's insanity he's just built different yeah he really is um my two favorites are the hit against the 49ers in 2013 when, like, you didn't really know if the Panthers were legit yet, so they were playing the Niners, and obviously the Niners were a pretty damn good football team, and he just fucking blows up the running back in the hole and forces a fumble. That was like, I and I think I may have even seen someone post that either on Twitter or on an article, but that was like, that's what you should be showing linebackers when you're trying to teach them how to form tackle, because he... It was a beautiful, perfectly formed tackle, settled his hips down, blasted him. And like the running back had no chance. And it was just one of those things where it was like, because of the context of the moment where it was like Carolina was proving that they were a playoff contender. It was just fucking beautiful. Like I loved it. I still, I still, whenever I see that hit, I just smile because it was so good. Um, The other one for me is actually, it was a hit on Marshawn Lynch. I don't think it was the dislocated finger one, um, but he hit Marshawn Lynch so hard that Marshawn Lynch rolled up an offensive lineman, and you just, so he just took out two people in one play. It was like, yeah, I don't think that's the same play. Yeah, he. It, I think that was also in 2013, maybe not, but he he ran up. Marshawn Lynch had a full head of steam, and he put Marshawn Lynch on his fucking back, which you didn't see very often. Like Marshawn Lynch, typically, you hit him, you both stop at the at the very least. And then, like, you drag him down. You, you wait for the form tackle. No, he fucking put him down. And he hit a linebacker. He hit the, he hit him so hard that he flew back into an offensive lineman and rolled up on him, which I don't think the offensive lineman got hurt, so that was good. But, yeah, it was just like, oh, shit, Thomas. All right. I love that. I think we could go on forever. I mean, I I'm, could literally he probably talk has a- all day about Thomas Davis. He is my favorite <laughs> NFL player ever. Yeah, I mean, on a, on a personal note, um, 
The only thing I don't like about him is where he went to college. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Um, but we can't all be perfect, so. Nope, we can't. It's true. It's a flawed man. Um, or else he would be perfect. Yes, if be. Thomas Davis went to literally any other school, he would be perfect. <laughs> um, the one thing I will share just on a personal note is um, back when I was early on in writing for CSR, I uh, remember the stuff came out about the play- the comeback player of the year. I think this was 2013. Um, and they were basically like, yeah, it's going to be Peyton Manning. And like, I was fucking pissed because, you know, obviously he had just come back from three ACL tears. So I just like got out of my computer and just like kind of wrote up like a a personal um, retrospect on his on what I had watched as a fan of his. And he read that and retweeted it. And it was like the be- it was like the most shared article I've ever written, like to this day. It was the biggest one ever. And it, like it's just it was always like a per- like that personal touch that like he actually went in, read it and shared it with his fans was just fucking awesome. Like, cause he never does that. He doesn't do self promotion or anything like that. So that was just like, for me, like that always, that had me on the Thomas Davis train forever. I was like, this guy is one of my favorite players of all time. Just cause he did that. Cause I'm just some random dude on the internet who was like, I like Thomas Davis. Look at all the stuff he did. You know? Like, yeah, that's the perfect segue, Brian. What's up? Like, no joke. That's the perfect segue for what I was going to talk about. All right. Uh, his wife retweeted something I wrote a couple of years ago as well about his charity work. And Oh, I remember that. Yes. That's something that we haven't talked about yet. And I feel like we would be remiss if we did not discuss that Thomas Davis is the only player uh, in Panthers history to be the Walter Payton man of the year. Uh, personal opinions on that aside, uh, he is the only uh, and you'll find out more about that in a future episode of this podcast. But um, he's the only one from our team to ever be the Walter Payton Man of the Year. And it was in 2015 when he was he won for his Defending Dreams Foundation. Uh, and if you want to learn more about his charity, uh, you can go to DefendingDreams.org. I will read the brief summary of what it is. Uh, the foundation is built on the principle and uh, educate, empower, and defend. And it strives to encourage students to develop essential life and social skills that will make them the leaders of tomorrow through education, leadership, development, and volunteerism. The Thomas Davis Defending Dreams Foundation allows students to see the potential of their dreams in action. So if you would like to support Thomas Davis's charity, you can do so at DefendingDreams.org. He does a lot of work with the Charlotte community and the youth and building towards a better and more positive America. Uh, I am glad that he was recognized for that work. I know all 32 teams have a representative and all 32 players do great charity work. That's not taking anything away uh, from any of them, but Thomas Davis invests in, in one of the most important things, which is the young generations behind us that are coming up into the future um, and building towards a better tomorrow. Uh, so I think that's something that that's to me is one of the things that that always made me like him more than other players. And not to say that other players aren't worthy and that their charitable efforts aren't worthy, but uh, it, it just, 
I like seeing these players give back and I like seeing them invest in our youth. And it makes me proud to be associated with a team that Thomas Davis plays for or played for um, when I see things like that. So, you know, kudos for, for all the work he's done off the field as, as well as on it. I, I agree. I don't have a Thomas Davis charity story to share. But he did let his son sign the gnome for Walker. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get. We'll. I have a I Walker gnome story for a future episode of this show too. <laughs> um, just to, just a caveat on that. So one thing too about that kind of charity work is that it's it kind of invests in the kind of things that are really important for our future generations because depending on your age, whoever is listening to this podcast. You might not you might struggle with a lot of the things that he is specifically trying to get younger people to look at things like handling their money, social issues, like just an overall like being a successful adult in this day and age. And that's something where a lot of kids don't get that tip, that training, like basic school doesn't cover it. Um, you know, there's there's definitely volunteer work out there and educational programs that you can attend, but a lot of that stuff where it's like, it's not put directly in front of them or encouraged where someone with Thomas Davis's, you know, background and his name and everything like that. in the Charlotte community, that's a really, really important thing. And he, he's done a, a very good, a very good thing for those people. Cause a lot of the people who benefit from those programs are also impoverished. So it's something where it's teaching them, you know, the skills that they might need to try and be successful and pull themselves out of it. So I think I've always really, really, really appreciated what he does in that community. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, It's easy to root for guys that give back. Yeah. Especially guys who give back in the sense that he did, where it's not yeah. just donations here and there like he set up a whole fucking foundation and he's yeah, actively he gives, promoted he gives it throughout the most his career important, yeah he gives the most important asset and that's his time because mm -hmm. anybody can write a check well not anybody but any athlete can write a check like they can all do that but he he actually gives his time his effort and he builds a community like that's yes to me that's a step above yep and that's just something that you just he's being a, a mentor to these people and he's showing people around the league how they should conduct themselves and uh, how they should act and how they can really impact their communities. And uh, I'm proud of him for it. I'm glad. I'm glad that he took his career and his his story of fighting through adversity and he's going to take it and use that to teach others how to fight through adversity because that's it's life's not easy. And. If anybody can teach people how to fight through adversity, it's Thomas Davis. Like it definitely yes, is. So, absolutely. Yeah. John, you got anything to add? No, I think that's a pretty good place to, uh, to end the, the Thomas Davis special. Unless you guys have more to talk about. No, I think no, I you're think... right. I think that's a good place to end the Thomas Davis special <laughs> episode. I agree. Well, Hey, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for checking out and uh, stay tuned on CSR for Thursday's coverage on the retirement of Thomas Davis, the retirement of Greg Olson. We got plenty of articles coming out. Um, we've had, we've posted a few already on Thomas Davis. We'll be posting a few on Greg Olson. 
Um, they're already posted on Greg Olson. They're already posted on Greg Olson. We've been doing this for years, and you still don't understand how time works. (laughs) Time is a time is a human. Time is a flat circle. Um, Yeah. Um, Well, yeah. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, and uh, check out our next episode. We'll be talking to you all soon. Take care. Stay safe out there. Stay healthy, and we'll we'll be here. Later.